Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I am, hey, if we haven't met as well, I'm Shana and um, I'm bringing the word today and I'm so excited you're here. I'm praying God's gonna speak to you this morning. This is week four of You Make the First Move. It's our series. Um, Have you enjoyed it? Has it changed the way that you praise and pray? Yes, it's been amazing. If you've missed it, go back. Pastor Ashley preached two incredible words. Josh preached an awesome word last week and this is the fourth week. So if you haven't got it by now, there's there's a problem. I feel like I shouldn't even need to speak this morning, but I'm going to because maybe you haven't been here for the journey. Um, It's been amazing. Please go back and watch it. It'll set you up and it will change how you pray and how you praise. Um, I I love the title of it, You Make the First Move. You Make the First Move. Who's good at making first moves in here? (laughs) Who is the first to apologise? You are awesome. I apologise in my head first. Takes me a while to get my apologies out. Who's the first to wake up in the morning in your house? Yeah, a lot of you, well done. I like a slower, I'm a little bit slower than Josh, but he's first in that, I've got to say. Who is the first to pay, if you're out for a meal with someone you, yeah, there you go, Vitek. Honestly, those people, bless you, you're amazing. Who is the first to cry in a movie? Yeah, the girls, we raise our hand. I'm a big crier. Everything else, Josh is first except that one. I win in that one. Um, I don't know if it's winning or sad or I need help, but one of them. I cry in commercials, guys. I do. I cry when I see a truck of sheep drive past me. I know, they've given me tissues in advance. I don't, I don't think I'm gonna cry today though. Um, who's the first out on a dance floor at a wedding? Yeah, there's some of you, not me, no, no, no. Good on you. Who made the first move if you're in a relationship? Who made the first move? Pastor John, of course he did. You'll be shocked to know I made the first move in our relationship. We were playing basketball one time and um, I was making some awesome moves out there on the court and I beat Josh. And at the end of the game, I was like, I I really like hanging out with you and I reckon I could hang out more. You know, do you wanna hang out more? And he kind of did the whole, oh yeah. He like gave me nothing and I'd put myself out there. I was a very shy girl. I'd never really liked a guy before like I'd like Josh. And I just felt crushed. I was crushed because I'd made this first move and that was not me, but I was prophetic and I knew. It took him a lot longer to see the light, but he got there in the end. But the first move, think about it. Sometimes we're not the first to get off the couch or the first to do. This whole series is about making praise your first move. Your first move, because praise is the key. And Pastor Ashley preached and he said, praise God for all things. Wasn't that amazing? It's changed the way that I've been praising. 
not just praise in things, but praise Him for things, that's a whole new world. But it opens up doors in your life when you begin to praise Him for all things. It is easy to praise when things are good, but what is your first move when things are not good? Think about it. What do you do when things are not good? I've had my fair share of not good things in my life, um, but I'll go back earlier to when I, I had my peas. I mean, I'm a pretty smart person. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a little slow. I'll give you that. But I did, it, I did pretty good in school. I got a 93 for my TR. I don't even think they call that that anymore. I don't even know what they call it. But sometimes I miss things. My head is a little bit slower, right? And so I was driving, I was on my P's. Don't worry if your children have ever been in my car. Um, I was driving and waving to my friend and her mum and dad were out the front and I was like, bye, bye, bye. And I, I zoomed up and I banged into a parked car. Literally, I just crushed into this parked car in front of them. I was so embarrassed, so embarrassed. I hid in my room for about a week, like crying, embarrassed, my, my neck was sore, whatever else. But do you know what? Praise was not my first move. Unfortunately, I had a pity party for myself. And I would love to say that the car came out of nowhere and hit me, but it didn't. It was still, it was parked. So that was on me. What do you do when, when things aren't good? What's your first move? Because we get knocked in life. It happens, welcome to reality, welcome to humanity, we get knocked. And like Josh said last week, we can get discontented and complain instead of praise. That's our human nature and tendency is to complain instead of praise. That's gonna be your natural default until you pull it up and decide, no, I'm gonna praise for all things. But sadly, we complain, we can get negative, we can gossip, we get angry. Maybe you have a pity party like I did. What do you do? Praise might not be your first move. It might be your sixth or seventh move. Or maybe it's not even a move at all for you. What is your first move? You are praising something though. Because whatever you magnify, make big in your life, you praise. For a lot of years, I magnified fear in my life. And I praised fear. I bowed down to fear. I didn't do things because I was magnifying fear in my life. What do you magnify? Do you magnify worry or anxiety or fear like me? What do you magnify? Do you magnify people? Are you praising somebody who's in your life that's bigger than anything and anybody else? What do you magnify? Because even if you don't think you're praising, you are praising something. What do you make big in your life? Prayer and praise isn't just about what it does for me. It's actually about what it does in me. What it does in me. It changes me and it changes my perspective. It is one of the most important spiritual skills you will ever learn. It'll set you up and it is something you need to do every day. Like when you get dressed, you're gonna have to praise every day. It's critical to winning battles and living a supernatural life. And right through the Bible, praise is the secret weapon of the believer. It's a secret weapon. And you know what? God 
expects you to praise Him. He created you to praise Him. You are created to bring Him glory. He expects you to and He commands us to praise Him. But we get so stuck on what we see and what we feel and then we determine whether we're going to praise Him based on that. It's the wrong way He expects us to praise Him because He deserves it. He's God Almighty. He created the heavens and the earth. He created you. He sent His Son Jesus to die and rise again to deal with our sin and make us right with Him. If that's not enough, I don't know what is. He deserves our praise because He's worthy of it. This morning, I just want to unpack and walk through um, Acts 16 with you where Paul and Silas are in prison. And it might be a passage that you know super well. Great, that's awesome. But I want to encourage you to be open and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning and challenge you. I hope it inspires you too. Um, because I've read it afresh in a whole new light for the last week. And I'm believing for you today that like what happened to them, chains are going to fall off your hands and your feet, that you're going to get free. Do you believe it? Praise can do that in your life. Come on, let's pray and then we're going to open the Word. Father, we thank You for this time we have together to gather and worship and praise You and come around Your Word. And I pray that you will give us fresh eyes to see this morning. As we read your word, speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Challenge us. God, we're open and ready for whatever you want to do. In your name we pray. Amen. A bit of the backstory here. Acts is written by Luke. And Luke's purpose of writing Acts is to share with you how the early church began and how the gospel spread across the earth. And so here, by this point, Paul has had um, an incredible encounter with Jesus and has completely changed his life. I mean, he went from persecuting Christians to meeting Jesus in a supernatural way and it completely changed his life. He was spirit-filled and now he set aside his whole entire life to go and preach the gospel. Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and his salvation for all people, Jews and Gentiles. Amazing, amazing what happened to Paul. And so at this point, Paul gets a vision, and he gets a vision, and he sees a man, and this man says, come to Macedonia, come and help us here. And so he gets up, and he takes Silas with him, and probably a whole lot of other people, and they head to Macedonia. And we pick up the story here in Acts 16, verse 16. And it says, once when they were going to the place of prayer, they were met by a female slave who had a spirit of which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Now, if you were at the dream team, Pastor Ashley shared, it was actually, she was actually possessed by the spirit of Python. And Pythons, if you don't know, they don't bite their prey, they suffocate their prey their prey. They wrap them up until the breath goes out of them. And so here's Paul and Silas on their way to a place of prayer. And they're met by this woman who is possessed by this spirit of Python, who's literally yelling and shouting in the street and going, these men, they're servants of the Most High God. And she's like making a big scene, a dance about them. And they're getting a bit frustrated. And the Bible says, and, they, and she did it for many days. 
So it wasn't the first day that she did it and they were getting annoyed. No, she kept that up for many days. And they are like just going to pray. Be very, very sure that wherever you go to pray or worship or meet with God, the enemy will come to distract you, pull you away, bind you up, suffocate you so that you don't go there because the enemy knows that's where the power is. I'm sure you've been there if you have children or even if you have not. The Saturday night battle. I'm sure there's people watching online at home because there is an attack for the place of prayer and communion and connection with God every single time. The kids get sick. You're up vomiting. Something happens. Your alarm doesn't go off. Something happens because the enemy wants to distract you from getting into the place of prayer and connection with God. Be ready for it. Rebuke it. There is a spirit that is trying to distract you and suffocate you and pull you away. And so they're getting a little bit annoyed. They're getting a little bit annoyed because Paul can see it for what it is. And he, he I mean, he doesn't like snakes. I don't like snakes. I hate snakes. Do you know what? We had, uh, Jordan had a birthday party and we had a reptile party. And they brought this massive long python, probably from where Christy is to where Josh is. It was ginormous and all the kids lined up and held it and I wouldn't go outside. I hate snakes. Hate them. Disgusting. I cannot stand them. And one time when we were in Port Douglas and we were walking in a rainforest, this is just a brain break for you, um, I, it's just a beautiful rainforest, stunning. Geordie loves snakes, loves them. Anyway, walking and about this far away from my foot on the path is a snake. I'm like, <gasps> I, everything in me got so scared. I ran about 100 metres back and left Geordie standing right in front of me. <laughs> He's just standing there staring at cool. I was gone. Like way back, the adrenaline in my body was, it just made me run. It was a massive mum fail. But I hate snakes. The rest of the walk back to the car, I was freaking out at every turn because I couldn't believe it was so close to me. I do not like snakes. I would not do well in any situation where there are snakes. But there are, (laughs) the point is, there is an enemy out there who wants to suffocate you and stop you praying and distract you because he knows that the presence of God is where the power is. Maybe you were in praise and worship this morning and you felt something, something rise up on the inside of you. That's faith, that's power, that's prayer because the enemy knows that's where it's found. So Paul is really annoyed by this point at this woman who will not stop. And so he just says to the spirit in her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to get out of her. And the spirit leaves her and she's freed. She's a slave girl, but the owners of her owners are devastated because now their income, their money is gone. And so the slave girl's free and they're left with no money. Problem. So they drag Paul and Silas into the marketplace and they pull them before the authorities and they say, these men, they're causing an uproar in our city. They're not even Romans. So isn't it funny how she's the one shouting and making a big deal about them and now they've pulled them into the, but they were just going to pray. And she, they pull them into the middle of the marketplace and they say, these men are causing an uproar in our city. I would be so 
frustrated. Now, I, I can't believe what happens there next. Acts 16, to 24 says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrate ordered them to be stripped, beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully because obviously there was something about these men. Guard them carefully. And when he received those orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I, I mean, I've been beaten up when I wrestle my boys, but I've never been beaten up for freeing somebody. Yet here these men are, beaten up, put in prison. I've never been put in prison. I have been to court. I had, was driving an unregistered vehicle one time and I was on my phone in, and that wasn't good. I know, terrible. Once again, I went and hid in my room for about a week, devastated by that whole experience. But I've never been beaten, flogged, stripped, and then put in the innermost cell of a dungeon for freeing somebody. Here are two men that are just going to pray. My first move would have been to cry. My first move would have been to point out to Josh all my pain and my hurt and my broken body and my bleeding back. I would have said, Josh, I told you we shouldn't have come here. You heard God wrong. I would have, being honest. You say things like that too, don't you? It takes us a while to get there. But when you're taking ground and territory, be sure that the enemy will want to suffocate you, break you, attack you, bind you up and put you in the innermost cell and imprison you. But let's look at what Paul and Silas's first move was. Acts 16.25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I don't think they were praying and singing like hymns to break the shackles off my feet. I think they were just praying and singing hymns to God because God is good because they'd met Jesus and been completely changed and it didn't matter what their circumstance was, they were praising Him. The first thing we see they did was turn to God and pray and praise. Bruised, bleeding, battered, broken, and I'm sure they were hungry, but praising God. They went to God. And how many times do we go to other things or social media, or other people, or even try and devise our own plan of escape before going to God. Their first move, their first move, as broken and battered and bleeding as they were, was to praise God. They had learned the key to strengthen themselves. They knew it. They knew, they knew Scripture, they knew. Their mind was set on Christ, what Jesus had done. It wasn't set on what was going on around them. And so they pushed through their body pain and discomfort and praised God. What an inspiration. They knew how to strengthen themselves and despite how they felt, despite how they felt, At midnight, we find two battered men speaking the language of faith. 
What an inspiration. And so today, despite what you're walking through, and I don't want to minimise anything you're walking through, but despite what challenges you face, will you speak the language of faith? Because that's where the power is. That's where the presence of God is. And you will never break out of a prison until you start to speak differently. I didn't break out of fear by submitting to fear. I break out of fear by speaking to fear and making God bigger than my fear. Doesn't mean the fear is not there. I just don't magnify it like I used to. What do you magnify? So they're they're praying and they're singing hymns to God. And verse 25 says, And the other prisoners were listening to them. The other prisoners were listening to them. It was obvious to the prisoners that these men were different. It wasn't, they didn't come into the prison and have amazing voices like Phil or Aaron or the team. I don't think they were singing lullabies to put them to sleep at midnight. It wasn't that. These men were different. They were different. They had seen them walk in. They had seen them being battered and beaten and bleeding, and yet they're singing. They're singing. When you don't have words, you can sing. Sometimes it's hard to come up with the words when you're praying, but you can sing. You can sing. The question is, what are the people in your life listening to when you speak? What's coming out of your mouth? You can be a prisoner, but you don't have to speak like a prisoner. Speak the language of faith, even in the middle of the prison. Even in the middle of the binding and the chains, you speak the language of faith because faith changes things. So let's look at what happened. We're going to keep reading that night when they prayed and pray, prayed and praised and they were listening. Verse 26. Suddenly, suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. Praise changes the environment around you. The foundations of the prison were shaken. The environment changes first in you. First, praise changes you. And then it changes things around you. There are so many things that imprison us and restrict us. And they actually become our normal. And I believe God wants to highlight some things that have just become your normal. Without even realising it, we adapt to it and we bow down to it and we live small and confined and we get stuck. And when we get stuck is when we look around and then we get discontent and then we complain. But we don't realise we're stuck. I really feel some of you are stuck today and God wants to unstuck you as you take your eyes off whatever is going around you and put your eyes on Him and strengthen yourself. So Paul and Silas decided that they would not allow their circumstances 
to make them small. No, they went into that prison and they changed the whole environment. They were not going to allow the prison walls to control their speech or rob them of their joy or their freedom in Christ. They were free. We are free in Christ. No matter what's going around, we are free. And that is the language of faith. And here are two men who knew how to keep their eyes on Jesus. They inspire me. And heaven responds to faith. So there's a shaking. And verse 26, at once all of the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Praying, praising, Everyone's listening, there's an earthquake, there's a shaking and all the doors fly open and the chains come loose. Can you imagine that? I mean, picture the doors of every single cell flying open. There are doors that are shut in your life right now. And chains that are keeping you stuck. But the key is to praise right now. Not when you're free. Not when you're free. The key is to praise right here, even in your chains and even in your prison. And you know what? Not just for your doors to open and your chains to come off and for you to get free, for other people. (laughs) Because everybody in that jail got free, not just Paul and Silas. And verse 27 says, The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Do you know what I love about that? I love that, you know what, the earthquake was a miracle, and the opening of the doors was a miracle, and the chains coming off was a miracle, but the biggest miracle of all was that they were all still there. Something shifted. If it were me, I selfishly would have gone, oh my gosh, God got me free, I'm out of here, and gone. Thank you, God, for my freedom. Their freedom was not about them. Their freedom was about everybody else in the prison and the jailer, and the jailer. And so now Paul's the one shouting orders, don't harm yourself, we're all here. We're all still here. So good. So the jailer, verse 29, calls for the lights and he rushes in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas And he brought them out and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because he knew there was something different about these men. And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Paul and Silas had come to Macedonia to preach the Word of God, to share of the Gospel that the Messiah had come, that Jesus had died and resurrected and was a way, the way to salvation. And they'd come on purpose and they knew why they were there. And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Praise leads to revival. The jailer, completely, utterly overwhelmed, is like, I need what you have. 
I don't know what it is about you. How do I get saved? How do I get what you have? You know what? People are watching us. People are watching us and they're listening to you. They're listening. They're listening to every single conversation you have. And we should be like magnets and paradoxes to people that they are like, oh, what, what, what is it about them? On our good days, but on our worst days too. On your worst days, you should still be a magnet for people to look at you and go, I need, I need my, a connection with God like you have. We're meant to be like that. Our faith should make other people want to know God. So here's the jailer. He is completely changed. He falls at their feet and says, what do I do to get saved? And they say, believe in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And do you know the favourite part for me of this whole story is verse 33. It says, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. I mean, come on, that is... I cannot believe that. He washed their wounds. That to me would minister to my soul. And then immediately he and all his household were baptised. Immediately believed in Jesus, baptised. If you've not been baptised, we've got baptisms in the next service. (laughs) Believe in Jesus and be baptised. And then the jailer brought them into his house. And this is the most healing bit to my soul. And he set a meal before them. Do you know what? It doesn't matter what beating or battering my body. If I have a meal in front of me, a beautiful meal, that's a miracle. That's as spiritual as praying and praising. He set a meal before them. When you meet Jesus... Everything changes. You open your home, you open your heart, you want to help people, you want to serve people. You want this is a man that had probably beaten them and charged orders at them, but he sees Paul and Silas and he wants what they have and he says, What do I do to get that? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And can we put that back up? And then, how good is the Word of God? And then he was filled with joy, filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. He was completely changed by meeting Jesus. He was filled with joy. And I wanna give you an opportunity right now Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you have never asked Jesus into your life. He will change your life. He will change your life. He will fill you with joy. You'll be a completely new person. And I wanna give you an opportunity to say yes. And I'm not saying, I'm not even saying will you. I'm saying you need Jesus. You need Jesus in your life. Not only will He change your life, He will give you an eternal life. Connection with God you've never ever experienced before and He will fill you with joy. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.